Normally you pray for our time in the Word and pray for TFF, that the Lord will add to our fellowship those who are being saved. Father God, thank you again for this beautiful day. Thank you for this time of prayer. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you, Father, when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to pray, you, Holy Spirit, give us a desire to pray for those who are lost, for those who need a time, uh, they need your touch, your healing touch, for those who need you, Father God, for those who need salvation, Father. So we thank you for that, Holy Spirit. So, Lord, uh, we pray that for this fellowship that you will add to our fellowship, those who have been saved, Father God, that we, again, Lord Jesus, that we will be your hands and feet, that we will be humble, that we will be, Father, your your eyes or your mouth and everything that you call us to, to do and to be, Father God, and for such a time as this, Father. So we thank you for this time together. We thank you that we have the freedom. We still have the freedom to come together and to fellowship without any fear, without no, uh, no, no thinking that someone can come to that door and, and arrest us, Father God. Thank you for this privilege that we have to come together, Father, Father God. And we lift it up to you right now. Again, our brothers and sisters, the persecuted church around the world, Father God, who right now they are meeting together in different places, Father God. Bless them, protect them, and strengthen them, and encourage them this day, Father God. So we thank you. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, this day. Uh, use your servant to speak clearly to us. And again, Lord Jesus, that we will not be hearers of the word of God, but that we will be doers that we will do exactly what you call us to do, my God. So to be your people, your ambassador for such a time as like this. We thank you. We give the glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
siempre estás sobrando, siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando, aunque no pueda ver, estás sobrando, aunque no pueda ver, estás sobrando, siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando, siempre estás, siempre estás sobrando, aunque no pueda ver, estás sobrando, aunque no
Father, we do thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ, for those who are in Christ. We thank you for that hope that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. past is forgiven, Lord, that we are not yoked to slavery any longer. Father, we have been engrafted into your family. We have been given your Holy Spirit, God, in us, (laughs) sealing us until the day of redemption and giving us the right to call you Abba, Daddy. So, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that the hope in Christ will never bring disappointment. We thank you, Father, that your word says that you were that you would never leave us nor forsake us. That God, yet though in this world we will have trouble, you call us to be of good cheer, for you have already overcame the world. And so, Father, we fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You've begun this work in us, Father. It is your loving kindness that led us to repentance. And so, Father, I pray that we would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit as we open up your word. God, that you would continue to give us a greater hunger and a thirst for righteousness, Lord. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and light unto our path, Father. We ask, God, that we would, Lord Jesus, honor the reading of your word. God, that we wouldn't just be hearers of it, but we would be doers. We understand the times in which we are in, Father. We know that your return is drawing closer and closer. And so, Father, help us, Lord, to to be prepared and, and to be excited, Father, knowing that you've purposed us in this generation to be the bearers of good news to be the light in this darkened world. And so, Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Community, a group of people living in the same place are having a particular characteristic in common. The first definition, the second one, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6 is where we are starting. We again are about to close out almost soon the 8th month and heading into the ninth month of this year. And we have been looking at community over the past year in hopes to encourage us to have a greater desire to be among the church, the people of God. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6. Jesus, again, as I've been encouraging us, He is the center of the Christian community. Christians, we are followers of Christ. We are saying that we are the disciples of Christ. And the the word disciple means student. Student. You're learning of Christ. This is a new way of living. Before Christ, you lived out of your old nature, the nature which you were born into. You were born into this flesh. And this flesh craves the temporal things of this earth. And that's all it desires, that's all it wants. 
It's all about me, myself, and I. My way. My desires. My longings. My wants. But in Christ, but in Christ, it's a whole new way of living, you all. A couple of weeks ago, I, I encouraged us as we went and we, and we looked in the scriptures at, in Isaiah when the prophet, when he had this vision of standing in the throne before the throne of God, he saw God as holy, 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 and in that vision he recognized the condition of himself. I am doomed. And I don't know about you, <laughs> But I keep thinking about that and praying for God to move among the earth, to awaken people to the reality that apart from God, they are doomed. God is holy. He's holy. There is no error found in God. Yet our flesh, the world system, and the enemy will love to tell us that God is the one with the problem. And we hold our fist up against God. But God is not the problem. We're the problem. We are in rebellion towards Him. And that condition of rebellion will never draw you closer to God. Oh, that condition likes to have religion. That, con- that condition likes to, to make Christianity how they want it, how it wants it to be. I've always said, if your Christianity, if your ideal of Christianity is convenient for you, then you don't know Christ. You know religion. Because Christianity, a true believer understands the Christian life is not about your convenience. It's not about you. It's not when you decide to show up. It's not about when you decide to give. It's not about when you decide to serve. It Because it's all in Christianity. It's all who you are because you are in Christ. And so it's no longer about you. It's all about Him. And He understands this condition that we are born into. And in that understanding, the Word of God says, and yet God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Isaiah stood, he had this vision, he was standing before the throne of God, holy, holy, holy. (laughs) Oh, I'm doomed. What can you do when you see God for who He is? You can't compare yourself to him. He's holy. He's righteous. You're doomed. You're the sinner. You're the one in rebellion. But praise be to God, the image, the vision didn't stop there. God understood the condition of Isaiah. God loved Isaiah enough to to allow Isaiah to declare, I am doomed. And then God made provision for him to be cleansed. As God has made the ultimate provision for mankind to be cleansed through Jesus Christ. This is why we go forth and to tell the good news. If you're not excited to tell the good news about Jesus, something is wrong. 
You, if you're calling yourself a Christian, you have the good news. Your eyes have been opened. You're living differently. You're growing. You're maturing. You're not perfect, but you're not making excuses for your rebellion, for your sin. No, you will feel the quick conviction of the Holy Spirit that is not who you are any longer. Don't touch that. Don't think that. Don't go that way. Come this way. Allow me to renew your mind. Allow me to transform your heart. Because you're a different person now. And so you're learning how to live again, afresh and anew, a whole life. Not from the brokenness of life, but a whole life. Because now you understand your worth and your value. And you're not going to give it up for a bowl of beans. You're not going to trade away your identity in Christ to satisfy hunger in this temporal world. No, sir. No, ma'am. You're not going to do it. You wouldn't do it. I posted a testimony today. This man from in India, he gives his life to the Lord. His wife and his children were not happy about this. It goes against their beliefs, their God. His community was not happy that he has given his life to Jesus. This just happened back on the 14th. And so they caught him out on the streets. And they told him, deny this Jesus. Deny this Jesus. And he looked at his wife and his children and this mob. He said, no. They brutally beat him. And then set him on fire. And watched him die. And we just want to come to church when we want to come to church. We just want to do when it's convenient for us. Oh, we got to wake up. You see, this world hates Jesus. They don't mind the convenience, Jesus. You're 7-Eleven, Jesus. You're in and out. But you live for Jesus. You honor Jesus. You walk with Jesus. The world hates Jesus. They're going to hate you. And I've been telling you, and the Scripture and the Word of God tells you, that as the days get darker, Christians are going to keep being pushed out. So we don't fear, because we're in Christ. That man had no fear. I Don't feel sorry for that man. Don't allow that, that testimony to be like, oh my goodness, no, you recognize, wow, what great faith. See, he understood it is not about this temporal life. There's something greater. He met his maker. He met his creator. He knows for eternity he will live. And he is not going to cower down to pressure to renounce Jesus and say, no, I don't believe in him. To satisfy his family, to satisfy his community. No, he was engrafted into the kingdom of God. He has received the Holy Spirit. It was everything of who he was. And he was not going to lose himself. And oh, how I pray you haven't lost yourself. <laughs> oh, how I pray that you would remain secure in Christ. 
Jesus himself says, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. You see, Jesus is the victor. It's victory. It's all in Jesus. Before I came to Christ, before you come to Christ, we live out of this brokenness. We live out of this torment. We live out of this anger and rage and jealousy. But when you see Christ for who he is, when you know that God loved you so much that he made provision that you don't have to stay in that condition. No, he he delivers you. He makes provision for you to get up to say, as Isaiah said, and as I've been encouraging us, here I am, Lord, send me. I want to love other people. I want people to know the good news that is in Jesus I want to live out this freedom and before them. Rather they accept you or not. God, I do not want to deny you. So as the Christian community, as the church, as, as the body of Christ, we are called together. Together, not separate. Not come and do and Make it about you. Oh, it's not comfortable for me. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. We have all these excuses of why we don't show up for prayer, why we don't show up for, to worship together, why we don't stay in the same room and hear the word preached. We have all these excuses. But the reality is, as the church, we're not coming for ourselves. We're coming for Christ. We're coming together And we're coming together to worship God through our prayer, through our worship, through the the preaching of the word. And we're encouraged by it. It's not, it shouldn't be a burden. No, you should be desiring it, especially as the days are getting more and more evil. Your level of hunger for, for righteousness, for truth, for allowing the word to transform your life. So that you can look at other people who are held captive by the weight of sin and shame and guilt and say, there's a way out. (laughs) And it's only through Jesus. It is only through Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so we gladly come together, no matter what is going on in our lives. No matter what the outer circumstances may be, the inner strength that we have in Christ. I love that last song when she declares, when I couldn't find freedom, freedom found me. This is an all-out spiritual war. And you've got to learn to get up and to press in. You're not warring against flesh and blood. You're warring against the principalities and the air and the ruler of darkness. And as I was saying earlier, to carry a Norma, the sad thing is, and you've heard me say it before, is that when the church has prayer time, not that many people show up. But by God, when they need prayer, they'll call you at all hours. Then you say, well, I can't sit in church all day. And I say, well, why wouldn't you want to? When you have to go through every other day throughout a seven-day period, out in the culture out there, what are you doing to equip yourself 
to engage in active warfare. As I said earlier to them both, I said, the Lord didn't say, the Lord said that his house would be a house of prayer. Not a house of programs, not a house of this, not a house of that, but a house of prayer. That we will learn to pray. Remember the disciples, what what do they ask for Jesus? Teach us how to pray. To pray. He did a lot of praying. Jesus is our example. Jesus knew that his dependence was upon the Father. He came to do the Father's will. As a Christian now, you're living to do the Father's will. But if you're not engaging with the Father, then whose will are you living? And we must be careful of the tactics of the enemy. The enemy doesn't mind you having a little bit of church. The enemy doesn't mind you having just a little bit of scripture. The enemy doesn't mind you even saying the name of Jesus. But start believing. Start engaging. Start praying. Start looking forward to fellowship with the saints. Coming together as one. Serving as one. Living as one. As a community of believers who have been marked by Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, protected by the name that he was given so that we can go out into the world and be his image bearers, to be his ambassadors. This is the church. This is the community of believers. And what we've made it is an abomination. We don't make disciples, we make apostates. People who just have a form and deny the power to transform. And yet those are the people that the Bible tells us to have nothing to do with. I see there is a way in which you are called and I am called to live. It is in community. It is in fellowship with God through Christ, as we're walking by the Spirit and in the Spirit, so that we're not gratifying the desires of the flesh. It is abiding in community and the necessity of community with other believers so that we're encouraging, we're edifying, we're building up. We are to be together to honor Christ so that we're going forth out in this world spreading Christ. Remember the word of God tells us you're going to be a fragrance of life to some and to some you're going to be a stench of death. This is good news, you all. This is good news. And yet our flesh will fight. Our flesh will make excuses. Our flesh will try to devour the time set aside to come together as community, to worship, to pray, to open the Word of God, to hear the Word of God preached. It's just who we are now, and it's who we're becoming, and we should be engaging more and more. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6, these scriptures that I've been held 
holding out in front of us throughout the year in hopes to encourage you to grow in community. If you haven't seen any growth or desire to be in community by now, God help us. We still have a few more months left of the year. Oh, how I pray that your ears are open and that your heart would receive the the truth from God's word. Therefore, Paul writes, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Listen to this. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you just as much as he was talking to the church in Ephesus. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all, living through all. Romans 12. Romans 12. And oh, how I will continue to encourage you to take these scriptures when you get the notes, sit down with it, open up your word, start praying through them, start writing your notes. Start understanding what Scripture is saying and how you should be applying it. Get together with us on Wednesday nights, whether it's in person or via Zoom. Get together to where you are encouraging others as well, not just listening to others. Oh, it's good to listen, but sometimes we need to hear from you. Ask your questions. It's just not about taking. It's just not about taking and taking and taking and taking. You have to be contributing. It takes all of us. It takes all of us. So to live as a sacrifice, this is what we're called to. Not just some people, not just pastors, not just intercessors, but all Christians. See, when you read the Word of God, He's not saying, okay, this is for this class of people or that class of people, or this class of people. If you're a Christian, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what your race is, what your gen- it doesn't matter any longer. You are a Christian, and the same that is expected of me is, ex- is expected of you. The same that is of, of you is expected of me. We all have the same purpose now, and it's Christ. And that's why we can come together. Again, no matter what we're facing Come together. Be together. He is in in our midst. We can rejoice in the fact that he is for us and not against us. And so Paul writes to the church, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, listen to this, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, 
which is good and pleasing and perfect. Listen to those three words, those descriptive words. God's will for you is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It's not burdensome. It's not a tragedy. It's not chaotic. But God's will for you. God's will for you. He goes on, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with, the, with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Oh, how I, heard, oh, how I pray and wish the church would understand that. We belong to each other. Each of us are needed. You are needed to be in fellowship. You're needed to be here. Under the preaching of the word, under the fellowship of, of, of worship and prayer, we're needed. Each of us are gifted differently and our gifts should be active in our lives. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out as, as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Oh, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. <laughs> when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone, oh God, hear this, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And finally, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This is the way the community of believers are to be living. 
remaining unified, living as a sacrifice to God, desiring this fellowship, not because man says, but because this is what God has ordained. Do you see how God sees the church as his body? As his body with different parts, yet accomplishing his purpose. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 16. As the community of believers, again, we're to have the same attitude of Christ. There's too many believers living lives separate from Christ. And then the reality is you're not a believer. There's a lot of people who believe and have conjured up for themselves salvation in Christ, and yet they're not saved. The enemy is a liar and he is a deceiver. And let the weight of that lay upon us. The reality is that there will be people spending an eternity in hell with Jesus on their lips. But he's never been in their hearts. He's not the Lord of their lives. That's why they are separated from him for eternity. But again, God so loved the world that God made provision for the created who is in rebellion towards him to be reconciled back to him through Jesus because he knew in and of ourselves we couldn't, but he could. This is the love of God. The arms of Christ spread out upon the cross. He bore our sins. He took our punishment. They beat him till his flesh was hanging off of him. They beat him so severely for you that you couldn't even recognize him. And then he hung on that cross for you and for me. And in a moment of time, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is finished. And he took his last breath. And all of hell must have rejoiced, thinking it won. But when they laid his body in that tomb, God wasn't finished. God's plan and God's purpose from the beginning of time, even before the earth was formed, even before Adam and Eve sinned, God already knew the cross was in place. And beyond the cross, the resurrection. Three days later, that stone was rolled away. Christ came forth, resurrected, victorious over sin and death. And this is our God, you all. We don't have to be afraid of Him. 
We don't have to hide from Him. We just have to come to Him in a humble position. God, I am I'm a sinner. I am doomed if I stand in Your presence in my own nature. But God, You made a way to cleanse me, to be forgiven through Your Son, Jesus. That's how much You loved me. Well, God, I want all of it. I want all of You. And everything in and of myself wars against this truth. Everything that's out in this world wars against that truth. And the realm of the spirit that I cannot see wars against this truth. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world system. And that level of spiritual realm that I cannot see and inside of myself that God, I can stand. See, some of y'all just got to get up and start standing and believing. Some of you just got to get up and keep pushing back instead of always being ran over. The church has got to wake up to her destiny and to her identity to be the people of Christ in their generation. I mean, that man that was just killed. His faith was so great. And I believe that his children and his wife and people in that community will come to Christ because of what he had to endure. We see it time and time and time and time again. The church flourishes when she is persecuted. And why the West has decided to make church this Easy come, easy go. Give us your money and go on out. All these different programs, all these different activities, but no one's being discipled. And it's not every church, but unfortunately, it's the majority. And you say, well, how can you know that? Look at our culture. Look at our culture. So we have to wake up to the reality of who Christ is and and what He's called us to, and that we would live for Him, that we would have, like Philippians we're about to read, have the same attitude as Christ, and we would say, God, I am hungry for You. As I've been encouraging you over these past weeks, stop asking for this and that and this and that and this and that if you do not truly have a hunger and a thirst for God. Start there first. That ought to be your first prayer of importance. God, I just need you. God, I don't have a hunger for you. And God, you know it, so I don't don't have to come and, and pretend in front of you. But God, I desire it because you have given me that desire. See, you wouldn't pray that way just to pray that way for yourself because your flesh would never come to God on that level. That's an awakening that the Spirit of God is doing in you. And then, Father, I can trust you that as you are giving me more of an increase of a hunger and a thirst to you, Daddy, I know you'll take care of everything else. So help me to keep my eyes on you because I can get distracted with all of this and lose sight of my greater need, and that is you. Like We have to get back, you all, to the basics 
of faith in Christ. We're celebrating that people go to church and do this and do that, but their lives aren't reflecting Christ. So there's really ought to be no celebration. The Bible doesn't say heaven rejoices when people show up to church. Heaven rejoices when one sinner repents and receives Christ as Savior. That's the rejoicing. So we have to wake up because the condition of the created man hates God. It loves religion, but it hates God. That's why when we come together, we ought to be among people who desire. Remember those definitions I started out with about community? The same interests, same common bond, same characteristics. And that's when people on the outside look in and say, what is different about all those people? They're all different people. They all come from different backgrounds, different life stories, different ages, different races. But yet they come together and they're happy. Yet they come together and they joyfully come together. They joyfully live this way. And the Bible says, how are they going to know we belong to Him? By our love for one another. And so we can rejoice you all. This is my hope for this year. That we get a greater level and a deeper longing for Christ and for each other. And so in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 16, Paul writes and he says, so don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence, with fear. For God is working in you. Listen to this. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Who does the work in you? God. Not you. See, when you're doing it, it's religion. It's exhausting. You will always compare yourself. You will always say, I can't do it. I I just can't. I I can't be like that person. I, I can't pray like that person. I can't serve like that person. And you're looking at the wrong thing. That's why it says, don't compare. Don't look. Look to God. 
He's begun this work in you. <clears throat> That's the great thing. If you're sitting here this morning or you're listening to this later, it is not by chance. God again in His divine sovereignty and love for you is revealing Himself to you and His desires that you draw close to Him. The Bible says if you draw close to Him, He will draw close to you. And listen to that. For God is working in you. Who is working in you? God. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. See, in and of myself, I would not know how to please God. I cannot and you cannot, in and of our own strength, do what He is calling us to do. That's why the great news is the Spirit of God has been given to those who have been born again. This life now is lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. So do everything. Listen to what he's telling the church. To the people who are marked as God's children, sealed by the Holy Spirit, new creations, he says, do everything. Do everything without complaining and arguing. And you say, well, that's hard because I'm quick to complain. I'm quick to argue. Well, get over yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit, help me in this area. See, we just got to be real. We don't have to put on a mask. We don't have to play games and pretend we're holy when we're not. We don't have to pretend, like, brother, sister, this is what I'm struggling with. I've had a really hard time this week. You can just be honest with people and lay it out. That's why I love when the Bible says to expose the fruitless deeds of the darkness. There's too many people sitting in church with craziness going on. In their heads, in their hearts, in their lives, in their homes, and they're not saying a word. You say, How are I? Praise the Lord, I'm okay. God is good. Or they you make or you may even get a grunt out of them and then they just keep going on. But the reality is the body of Christ is the community of the believers. We're there for each other. To encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. And so if you're recognizing, wait, I hear these things read from the Bible, man. I, that's not me. Like, I had an issue with this. Well, don't draw, pull away from God. Run to God. Like, God, you're allowing me. Because I remember that's what I do. That's what I still do. God, you're, through your grace, your loving kindness, you're revealing this to me to say, Rob, there's something in your heart that you've got to deal with. Because I'm not pleased with that. So I don't have to pout. I don't have to pull away. I don't have to. No, I just got to come and say, okay, God, you're right. You're the author of my life. You purposed me. You formed me. You fashioned me. You number the hairs on my head. God, you created me for you. So get rid of all this stuff. That's not right. I don't have to be exhausted in trying to do it. I just got to trust you. Teach me to think differently. That I don't get consumed with always complaining and always arguing and making excuses when I complain and when I argue. No, the reality is, God, that's not pleasing to you. I need, I need your accountability, Lord. I need brothers and sisters in my life that, that's bold enough to come and say to me, stop complaining instead of just going along with me. I need brothers and sisters in my life to step up and say, you're very argumentative, relax. That's, un, that's not Christ-like. Like, this is the way we ought to live. You see, there's a way that we're supposed to be doing this. 
And then verse 15, I love this. So that no one can criticize you. So don't complain and don't argue. Because you open the doors for criticism. Live clean. Innocent lives as what? As children of God. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Scripture that I've been holding up in front of us throughout this year in hopes to encourage you to desire more community among the brethren, ultimately your relationship with Christ. I'm going to run. We've got some more scriptures I want to give you, put in your hand. Listen, this is your sword. In Ephesians 6, when the Bible talks about the armor of God, this is your sword. You have to know how to use your weapon. You have to know how to take it and use it. He gives us the weapons of our warfare to demolish strongholds. Remember, the Bible tells us about spiritual war. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Today, I would like for you to go home, and I would like for you to open up a door, put your foot in it, and then close it a little right on it, and I want you to see just how much the enemy needs to get into your life to wreak havoc. Do that today. Go home, open up a door, put your foot in and close it, and visually see how much the enemy needs to get into your life. The Bible says, do not give him a foothold. Because if you give the enemy a foothold, he's going to develop a stronghold. Do not forget what strongholds are. It's a pattern of thinking that you begin to believe that's contrary. It's opposite of the truth of God's word. But Christian... (laughs) If you've given him a foothold, if those patterns have formed, the Bible gives you good news. He gives us the weapons of our warfare to demolish them. You don't have to stay enslaved to the enemy. He's been defeated. That's why this is vital. That's why I encourage you. If I spent time with you through the week, what would I see? How much time are you in the Word of God? And you say, well, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, and I've got that. No, no, no. You don't got it. It, 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 it has you. <laughs> Apart from the Word of God, you're not growing. Apart from the Word of God, you are walking out without your weapon. And you are dealing with the spiritual realm that wants nothing more than to devour you and your family. Again, you have three enemies. The spirit realm that you cannot see. The world system that is actively engaging to destroy you and yourself, the flesh. And you think you're just going to get up and just go about your day? No, no, no. Even, no matter, it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. You should be praying for a more greater hunger and a thirst for your word. God, I need your word. I need your truth. I need to know how to dress for battle. See, we got to start teaching each other 
Like, there's a way in which we live. Like, get up. Get up. You want, to, you want another exercise? So the first homework I gave you is go home, open up the door, put your foot in and close it and see just how much room the enemy needs to just in to devour your life. To make, wreak havoc in your thoughts. The second one, get a piece of paper and a pen or on your notes on the phone, whatever. Start tracking what you're doing all day. For just seven days. If seven days is too much, do it three days. If three days is too much, do it one day. If one day is too much, do it just one hour. What are you thinking? What are you doing? How are you spending your time? What are you engaging with? And how long were you doing it? I remember doing this years ago. They're going, Wow. And I didn't beat myself up, but the reality is that when you see it in front of you, you go, wow, something's off. Like, where is God? Where are you? Where's, where's my desire for you? Because this, 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 and that. And look, oh, I gave you two minutes right before I went to bed, and Lord, thank you, and I'm out. We have to actively participate in this, you all. Listen, you can, get, you can stay up and you can scroll through social media for hours. You can sit and watch a movie for hours. You can engage in games for hours. You can engage in whatever and for hours. But open up the Word of God. Oh, I don't understand this. Oh, this is boring. This is too much. People find it hard. I found it hard. I hated to read. I hated to study. I hated the Bible. But now I'm a new creation. I'm like, how am I going to get to know you? Or how now then shall I live? Well, your truth is here. But man, every time I open it up, oh, I get tired. I don't like to read it. There's too many big words. There's things I don't understand. But then I remembered before Christ, when I was in the occult, when I did other things to worship other gods, I was actively participating and learning what these gods were. I was actively engaging in in summoning them and, and meditating upon them and chanting for hours. I remember the things that I did and I didn't grow tired. I didn't grow weary. I was thoroughly feeling as if I was being fulfilled. And then all of a sudden my eyes were open and I thought, huh, why is there such a warfare against this book? Why are governments trying to destroy it for centuries? Why is it so hard to speak of this word without getting such a resistance and a pushback. I said, oh, I see you, devil. I served you far too long. I am now a child of God. His word I will hide in my heart. I will learn of him. And I told you, the nights that I used to get tired and grow weary, I got myself up. 
And I began to walk and read the word. I didn't know what I was learning or what about what I was saying, what it was saying. But I began to say, oh no, flesh, you're not controlling me. I'm getting up. And I will just walk and read out loud. And little by little, the understanding of the word of God doesn't come by what you do, but by the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, it began to make sense. All of a sudden, I began to find myself at times just weeping. All of a sudden, I'm just like, God, this is so beautiful. What a beautiful illustration of love that you love your creation. All of a sudden, I began to desire the Word of God, and now I know I need to feed on it daily, throughout the day, all day. And oh, how I pray that you would begin to grow in that desire. In that desire to fellowship with God, fellowship with others in His Word. To know His Word. So, I've got some more scriptures to give you. In hopes, again, that you hear them today, but then you take them throughout the week and begin to apply these truths. So here's this topic that I want to put out for us today. We are to resemble our Father. We are to be Christ-like. There is a way in which we are called to live. So let's move through these scriptures. Galatians 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, verse 20. And listen, you all. Rather you're using the Bible app, rather you have your Bible here with you, start using your Bible. I remember when I first went to church, and that pastor would stand up there, and I love Pastor Carl. I thank God for him. I was just standing in worship today, this morning, rejoicing and thanking God for Pastor Carl and Pastor Jonathan. These two men of God had uh, had the had the open door to 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 mentor me, to to pour into me, <laughs> and they were men of God's word. And Pastor Carl would just be boom, scripture after scripture after scripture. And I didn't know what book, from what book, to where, to when, to how, but I began to learn. I began to say, okay, I'm going to leave service, but I'm going to go home, and I've written down all my scriptures, I'm going to go home, I'm going to find them. So that when I come back, I begin to become more educated. I begin to start understanding. I begin to have my pen, my highlighters, and say, okay. And then I can take the word back, not just trusting because he said it, but then I can go back and read it to make sure what was spoken is true. I never want you to take something because I'm saying it as a fact. I need you to take the Word of God and go back and study it. Learn to sharpen your sword. Know the Word. Turn to it. Get get involved in it. Because again, these scriptures I'm going to give you are to encourage you, to remind you that you are to resemble your Father. One thing I love, and I always say this to Gilda, maybe others who've been around me, one thing I love to see is children with their parents. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Children with their parents, with their caretakers. The way that they respond to the people 
who are growing them, who are there to nurture them, to guide them, to love them. They begin to take on the characteristics of those in their life that are loving them and supporting them. Think about that for a second. They begin to resemble the one that's nurturing them for good and for evil. Think about that. So as our Heavenly Father begins to nurture us, to grow us, as we spend time learning His nature, understanding His ways, we begin to pick up His attributes. We begin to resemble Him. And that's beautiful, you all. That's beautiful. And so these scriptures, I hope, would encourage you. Galatians 2, verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. Your old nature, the one that wants to get ugly, the one that wants to get angry, the one that wants to get jealous, the one that wants to get lustful, the one that wants to do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. You need to remind it when it comes up. No, no, no. You're crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, oh God, hear this, who loved me and gave himself for me. Could you imagine if you go this week and that begins to be the scripture that you begin to meditate on. Listen, back in the day, I needed to know Scripture because, again, you don't know who you are apart from Christ. If you're saying you're a Christian, if you recognize that you're a sinner and God has opened up your eyes and you see your need for Jesus, should God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and He rose up from the grave. God, I thank You for that. Well, it's time to start growing up. In the beginning, I used to take my little index cards but this is before we had the phones. <laughs> and I used to write scripture out. And I used to keep these index cards in my back pocket. Remember that? <laughs> and boy, I would pull them out. I didn't care if I was in the grocery store. You know what's going on inside you. You know how your mind is working, what you're, what's going on. You got to start dealing with your old nature. Oh no, 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 no. I remember. I'm a new creation in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in and through me. See, you can talk yourself happy. You can preach yourself happy. You can get up and get through your day and say, oh no, you're coming at me? My daddy's standing right in the way. And you can't get through him to get to me. You may make others chaotic around me. You may make my circumstances chaotic. But I won't be moved by it. See, there's a way to stand up in strength. we got to stop being weak-willed Christians and start being Christians that understand that you have been engrafted into the family of God and there's a way in which you are called to live among an unbelieving world. 
Could you imagine if you go through this week, you write out the scripture. Another thing I used to do, I'm just giving you insights. I would sit down at the table and I would begin to write out scripture. You know what I used to hate in school when I used to get in trouble and the teacher say, you're going to write 50 times. Well, I used to sit down in my early days and I would sit down and write out scripture. Not because I was in trouble this time, no, because I wanted to learn. Because I didn't see what the teacher was doing. I saw what the teacher, my own flesh, was doing. Was, oh, she was a bad teacher. But in reality, she cared enough about me to discipline me. So that I will learn. Even the Bible says, God disciplines those that He loves. Because He's a good Father. But sometimes we just have to sit down and write it out. Again, hear that scripture. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The next time you're feeling jealousy, the next time you're feeling anger, and you want to just, ah! There's times I still feel that, and I say, oh, it is no longer you who live, Rob, but it's Christ living in you. So live in this body, this earthly body, by what? Giving in to my emotions? No. By trusting in the Son of God who loves you and gave himself for you. And then I would say in the beginning days, I don't understand that, God, so help me understand. And little by little, he kept giving me insight and understanding the truth and how the truth would set me free and set you free. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, we're flying through scripture today. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. Imitate God. Imitate who? Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, not just some things, not just when you show up for church, but in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with, listen to this, love. Following the example of who? Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. This is how you ought to be living. Imitate God. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I love this one. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. In Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things. Oh Lord, hear this today. He planned for us long ago. God has already purposed you. You're not a mistake. You are highly valued. God formed you, fashioned you, knew everything about you before you were in your mother's womb. So you are God's masterpiece. Would you just get up every day and look in the mirror and say that? Go throughout your day. You're God's masterpiece. He has plans for you. Plans that are good. He knows the plans that he has for us. There's confidence that we can have in our God as we 
continue to grow into his image to resemble him. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Their church, you can't get around that. If you say that you're in Christ, if you're calling yourself a believer, you should live your life as Jesus did. And for so long, what have we done? We've kept Jesus up here. And we say, God, this is just too hard to do. And he says, I know that's why I gave you the Holy Spirit. I didn't ask you to do this in your flesh. Remember, even Paul writes the church. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you living out in the flesh? Or why are you attempting to live out in the spirit, in the flesh, what you've learned in the spirit? These two natures don't go together. That old nature, that old flesh is dead. Reckon it dead. Now you're new. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. But I still have this and I still have that. Because Galatians tells us that flesh and the spirit is going to war against each other. But don't let your flesh win. Talk to yourself. No, 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 no. I'm in Christ. I'm not Christ. But I'm in Christ. He has given me, the Word of God says, everything I need to live a godly life. I have not because I've asked not. But I, here's the measure. Here's the standard that God has placed, not man. Live as Jesus did. How did Jesus live? Get to know Him. We just read earlier, He humbled Himself to a position of a slave. He thought of others before He thought of Himself. That's how you're to be living. You're to be loving. You're to be doing now in a way that is so opposite of how this world lives and works. As Jesus did. Knowing good and well is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you everything. Remember what I said earlier about a disciple, a student of Jesus? He called those 12 men. And they changed the world. They changed the world. And the world has been changing ever since because he calls people out. They are mine. 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 Come out from the darkness. Die to your old self. Enter into this new life. Because I have always planned this for you. Come on, you weren't a second thought to God. God knew you. And God desires that you would know Him. Oh, the good news, you all. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Oh, take these notes. And eat them. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. The veil, that blindness that has kept us 
away from Christ, the things of Christ, the truth of Christ, it has been removed because of Christ. Hallelujah. And he draws us in. And he makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. God, I pray that we would know what's ahead of us, you all. I mean, this is great news. This is good news. The eternity that is going that we are going to have with our Creator. Oh, Lord, we ought to be rejoicing. <laughs> Go to Romans 8. Romans 8, 29. Romans 8, 29. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become, are you ready? Like His Son. <laughs> so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God knew His people in advance. I can't say it enough. And He chose them. He chose you. He chose me to be like His Son. We're not going to be Jesus, but we ought to resemble Jesus because of what Jesus accomplished to radically change our lives, to no longer be bound to sin and death. But now we're free to live a life full of grace and mercy to extend to others what's been extended to us. Oh, Jesus. Go to Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. We heard it earlier. Let's hear it again. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Go to John chapter 3. The book of John chapter 3. Verse 30. He must become greater and greater. Who? Jesus. And I, who? You, me, must become less and less. Seasons in my Christian life when I've seen me, myself, and I, I say, oh God, the mess I've made with my hands. God, you must become greater and greater. I must become lesser. Unless it's not about us any longer, you all. It's all about Jesus. Go to John 14. John 14, verse 15. These are Jesus' words. If you love me, I love you, Lord. If you love me, I love Jesus. If you love me, I go to, I love Jesus. Obey my commandments. He throws the gauntlet down. He tells them, why do you say you love me and you don't obey my commandments? Listen, it's, it's, the devil's got nothing new to do. He deceives people into thinking that they're saved. From the Old Testament to the New Testament. 
And Jesus exposes the lie and says, listen, why do you say you love me and you do not do what I ask? You don't obey. How is that love? And that's why the Bible tells us there's going to be people who are going to stand before Jesus and they're going to say, didn't I do this? And didn't I do that? And didn't I? And didn't I? And didn't I? And didn't I? And Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. The very one you're talking about, you. I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of sin. All their lives, they thought they were in Christ. All of their lives, they for sure thought, hey, I sat in church. I showed up when I wanted to. I threw a little change in the offering. I served here and there. I'm a moral person. I'm a good person. I don't do everything wrong. (laughs) They make their excuses for holding a form of religion. And yet, they're not saved. And Jesus calls them out when they're ready to march into his kingdom for eternity. Hey, wait a minute. Where are you going? Oh, but wait, aren't I getting in? I don't know you. I don't know you. So come on, y'all. We got to wake up. I know, I know we want people, we want to come to church and pastor be entertaining. Give us good, 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 good news to make us feel good, 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 good about ourselves. So we can just go out and do whatever we want the rest of the week. Don't hold us accountable. Just let us live and do whatever we want. Let us worship at the altar. (laughs) Let us follow the programs. But please don't burden us to obey Jesus. And it's nothing new. Remember the Israelites? God told Moses, gather them together. I'm going to speak to them. Moses was excited. God was now going to speak to his people because that's what God has longed always to do is to fellowship with his people. And you remember how the people responded? No, no, Moses, you speak to us. Let God speak through you to us. And that's what the flesh loves. Let the pastor exhaust himself every Sunday. Whatever. But God, don't speak to me. And how sad. How sad. Because you see it all through Scripture. People who live that way, they just have a form. They're not engrafted in. I mean, even we're told, like, the wheat and the tare, they, they grow together. Someone may look holy to you, like, well, that's a, that person's got it together. They could be full of wickedness that you know nothing about. Because like I've always told you, the greatest deception is not that you're deceiving others. It's that you have deceived yourself to believe a lie that you're in. In reality, you're not. And you say, well, how do I know 
if I'm loving Christ, are you obeying? Are you obeying? Not religious works. Are you obeying Him? Are you trusting in Him to work in through you? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to have full reign in your life? Are you stopping going to places and doing things and letting things just exist in your life that you know good and well they don't honor God, but yet will demand them? And then we will then we then we will even even try to find Scripture to justify it. And God says, if you love me, Jesus says, obey my commandments. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Again, scriptures to encourage you to resemble your father. If you're in Christ, if you're not in Christ, accept Christ. I don't know what's keeping you from him. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, verse 17. Oh, hear this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And that's why I keep telling you, as I've told myself, if your walk with Christ is still the same as it was yesterday, a year ago, 20 years ago, something's wrong. Something is wrong. Because you're to be continually being transformed. You're not perfected until you're with Him. You've got to guard what's been entrusted to you. You can't just adapt yourself and say, oh, I'm okay. I'm in. I don't know. This is who you are now. Do you hear scripture? Man, listen. That's why I love when Paul tells the gospel in which I preach. Man didn't teach this to me. No, God was pleased to reveal himself to me through his son Jesus. Listen, I was so far, and so were you, all of us before Christ. But I can only talk about myself. I was so far from Jesus. When I couldn't find freedom, freedom found me. He stepped in. And I fought him tooth and nail in the beginning. I don't want all of this. I'll take just a little that I need. Until the day when I was on my knees in that condo and I just said, Oh God, I'm yours. I surrender. And I got up and it felt like chains were just falling off of me. And my lover at that time, he kept telling me, this God in whom you have found in our relationship with, he's going to eventually take you away because you are changing. You're a better man. Like, seriously, I've watched you over this period of time and I'm so impressed with who you're becoming. Like, I don't even know you. But I know I can't fight this God. If it was a man, if it was a woman, I would fight for you. But I don't know how to fight him because what I'm seeing happening in you 
And so when I opened up that door and he was outside of it just sobbing and he says, you're leaving. I said, I have to. I belong to him. I didn't know what direction my life was going to take. I didn't know what to expect. But I knew one thing. I was God's property. I loved him with everything in me. And God, you can take me and lead me wherever you want. Because God, I trust you. I don't know about all of this. I wasn't raised in all of this. But God, I know you. And that's all I need to know. Is that you loved me enough to step into my hell hole. And you made light surround me. And love surround me. And I don't want to trade it for anything, God. Because his word keeps promising us. His word keeps promising me. I am a new creation. I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to remain the same. Because God, it's about you. I want to resemble you. Oh, Jesus, help us. And again, everything of this earth is at war against that which God is trying to do in your life. That's why it's important. It's not because you're forced to obey, because you know I need to obey. Because if not, I know where I'll go. I'll know what I'll do. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Oh, it's good news, you all. You can't find you can't find freedom like this anywhere else. <laughs> For I decided what I decided that while I was with you, Paul says to the church, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. See, we got to start letting people and places and things go. Let it go. Let them go. It's Christ and Christ alone. But it hurts. What is my life going to be? What's going to happen? Stop asking the what ifs and start declaring the I ams. I am a child of God. I'm engrafted into the kingdom of God. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. You've got to know that you know that you know. So I will forget everything except Jesus Christ. The one who was Crucify for me, for you. And finally, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Woo! Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Verse 17 through 32. With the Lord's authority. Whose authority? The Lord's. I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. That's how people live that are off, apart from God. They live for themselves. 
They live for themselves. We cannot demand them to live any other way. That's how they live. And that's why I've always told you, we're not out there to fight with people. We're not out there to demand them. Live like a Christian. Live like a Christian. Is what the church has done wrong. We go out there demanding people to live like they love God. And they don't love God. We give them kingdom principles without the king. That's where the prosperity message comes from. That people love. Tell me how to prosper. Tell me how the Lord's going to prosper me. Tell me how to have a mansion and multiple cars and this and that and this and a million dollars in my bank account. Just tell me how I'll do it. Well, if you give me a thousand dollars, I'll tell you. It's ridiculous what is going on. And so we're not to be like these people. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned, Christian, about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, oh God, hear this, what are you to do? Throw off your old sinful nature and your, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Listen, don't hear that scripture and not, not, and not see the visual of that. Throw it off. Like, throw it off. Don't wrestle with it. Stop clinging to it. Throw it off. Get rid of it. It's how you used to live. It was part of your old nature. And then what? So then what do I do? Verse 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Oh, come on. Created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. Throw off the old nature. Put on the new nature. Throw off the lies. Put on the truth. This is application, you all. This isn't just showing up, sitting, okay, 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 hallelujah, 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 and then just go live however you want. This is truth that sets you free. God, you will not be bound to this earth. Oh, no. Throw it off. Learn to throw it off. I recognize it. Oh, I see it. Oh, I see you trying to stir me. Ah. No. I'm going to throw it off. And I'm going to put on the new. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. I'm created to be like Christ. I'm to honor God. And you want to stir up within me? Sometimes you just got to drag yourself in front of the mirror and say, Oh, I'm reminding you. You're not in charge anymore. You're not in charge anymore. In fact, I will expose you. I'll call a friend. 
I'll get in the car and drive to someone's house and say, listen, ha ha, my mind's a mess. I just need to sit in the presence of the Lord with people that love the Lord and love me. That's the reality. Throw it off and put on the new. A lot of our problems that we're having is we're not throwing it off. We want to keep it. It's like that security blanket. So it's when I counsel people. I said, you realize all this chaos in your life, you actually love. Because it's your norm. It's who you are. It's what you're comfortable with. So lay there, lay there with that blanket if you want. But the Bible says, throw it off. Throw it off. How many more years are you going to sit there? How many more hours and days are going to be wasted in your life? Because somehow you think that chaos is your comfort. You don't know comfort. Because when you're comforted by God, when you're comforted by the Holy Spirit, when you know that you know that you know that you belong to Jesus, no, no. When I start wanting to curl up and put it on, I say, oh, wait a minute. It feels comfortable. But ah, I know where that leads. So no. I'm going to put on the new. I'm going to put on the new. Verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin. <laughs> By letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work. You see? Throw off, put on. If you were a thief, because there was a lot of thieves in the church as there are today. So stop it. Instead, what do you do now? What do you put on? Use your hands for good work. Hard work, huh? And then give generously to others in need. Could you imagine? People knew you as a thief, and all of a sudden you're a hard worker and you're giving generously. It's a whole new nature. I saw how my nature was corrupt, but I know who I am now. Don't use foul or abusive language. A lot of Christians need to hear that. To loosen the lips with foul and abusive language. Making excuses for the filth that comes out. But, throw it off and look at what it tells us. Then that everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. Throw off the old, put on the new. Stop giving yourself the right just to be nasty, vile, filth just coming out of your mouth, anger. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. How about that? Let that sit there on us for a moment. What? The Holy Spirit has emotions? Oh, yeah. 
So don't bring sorrow to him. Don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as what? His own. And you want to keep spitting in his face? You want to keep just trampling the blood of Jesus underneath your feet as if it's common, it's nothing? You're just splashing it up upon other people? Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. But doesn't God love everyone? I can live however I want. God loves me. That's why y'all need to be wise with Scripture and understand truth. Yes, I love it when people want to go toe-to-toe with me on that. Yes. Praise God, I tell them, you know part truth. God loves you. And nothing will ever change that. God loves you. Even in of yourself, you saying that out of your mouth, testifying that God is right when he judges you. Because everyone can say, God loves me. Think about that. Maybe you said it yourself. When people have come to to share the gospel with you. God loves me. God loves me. Yes, yes, yes. You know, part truth. But yet that truth in and of itself, you're going to be accountable for. And God is going to be right in his judgment against you. Because you knew God's love. But yet you refuse to respond to it. God's love does not save you. And we better wake up to that reality. Again, I said it before. I'll say it again. The biggest lie that people believe that everyone is God's children. No, no. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Everyone is created in the image of God. And God loves everyone. But only those who are saved, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit are God's children. So God's love doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. If God's love was all that it was to bring forth salvation, Jesus would never have come. Remember John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him, not his love, but in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. So the question then for you and for others who want to challenge you on that, okay, good. You want to start at that foundation of God's love? Tell me then what God did because he loved you. See, it opens the door for the gospel. They may not want to hear it. They may turn and laugh and spit at you or whatever and go on. But there will be others that it'll like something just shook them and like, what? Well, See, I don't get mad at people because they're in error. I don't have to fight with people. You don't have to fight with people. You just got to be real with people. Because everyone else is afraid to be real with them. You just got to be able to stand with the confidence that you know you're God. He came for them just as much as he came for you. And now he's sending you out 
among the wolves. <laughs> to bear his image. To tell of this great news. So do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And finally, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. As you hear all that, you hear the list, he could have kept going on and on and on and on and on. But he just finally said, all evil. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Throw it off. So what do I do then? Instead, instead, put this on this week. Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And do you know who he's speaking to here? Not to the lost. He's correcting the church. These behaviors are going on in the church. You would expect him outside of the church. But he's addressing the church to remind them, you are to be living as children of the light. All of this chaos is going on among you. No, no, stop it. Stop it. There's a way in which you are called to live. Throw off the old and put on the new. You, he's not writing to the lost, to the people who are going to the temple to have orgies. He's not writing to, to the thief on the street or the gossiper on the, in their homes. No, he's writing to the church. Listen, that was your old nature. That's how you used to live. That's who you were. But this is who you are. You are in Christ. You have received the Holy Spirit, God, in you. He's part of the Trinity. Three in one, God in you. <laughs> You're the temple now. God in you. Don't grieve Him. Live for Him. Love Him. He has revealed Himself to you. No greater love than this that a man will lay down his life for his friends. Like, listen, this is good news. And a lot of us are facing some trying times. And if you're not facing them now, they're coming <laughs> because your Christian experience would be mountaintops, deep valleys. You're going to spend a lot more time in the valleys than you are on the mountaintop. But listen, church, we've got to get together. We've got to get excited to come together, to learn together, to worship together, to pray together, to be honest with each other. Where else are you going to find it? Sinners ought to come to church. <laughs> But they ought to hear the freedom that is found in Christ. That is found in Christ in hopes that they would respond and say, yes, God, I need you. I'm a sinner. But God, you love me. 
that you gave your own son for me, that Jesus is the son of God and he rose from the dead and the victory in which he has, I have in me that I can live a new life because you're going to fill me with the spirit of God, God himself in me, sealed until the day that you return for all eternity to be in your presence? What? This is great news. This is great news. And so we come together to celebrate. Maybe people don't respond that day. But they ought to keep coming. That's as far as sinners, as far as Christians, people who have given their life to Christ, they ought to be at the door waiting for the door to open. That is in. We want in. We want to rejoice. We want to celebrate. We want to pray. We want to worship. God, have your way among us. God, do it within us. Send us out in our community to reach the lost, to invite them to come to fellowship, to have a meal with us. God, use us. See, that's how we're supposed to be. It's not always going to be, oh, giddy, whatever. There's going to be hard times. That's why it says, weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. But the reality is he's still God. And he still will be worshipped. He still would be adored. He's the answer for all things. Well, we're not going to walk through scripture today. We're going to, well, we've already gone through so much scripture. But 2 Kings, Acts, Psalm, and Proverbs, we'll pick up on that next week. But I do want to close with the Heidelberg Catechism, the teaching for this week about baptism, Lord's Day 26. Again, catechism is just a tool to teach. And again, I've set this before us this year in hopes that you can understand what you're saying you believe in and also in hopes that you're able to share it with others. So what about baptism? How does holy baptism remind and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross benefits you personally? Well, here's the answer. In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it promised that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and his spirit wash away my soul's impurity. That is all my sins. All my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means that God, by grace, has forgiven our sins because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with Christ's spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed and sanctified us as to be members of Christ so that more and more we become, oh God, hear this, dead to sin and live holy and blameless lives. Finally, where does Christ promise that we are washed with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? And the institution of baptism where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. 
These, this promise is repeated when Scripture calls baptism the water of rebirth and the washing away of sins. Baptism, you all. You have, if you're a Christian, you haven't been baptized. Oh, I don't know what's keeping you from it. What a beautiful time to come together to celebrate. You received Christ, you're saved. Baptism doesn't save you. The blood of Jesus saves you. But baptism is a step of obedience. And so why believers don't take that step? I never understand it. Because again, it's a step of obedience. It's a public display of the death of the old and being raised up in the new. Be washed clean. That's what it symbolizes. Doesn't mean you're not going to have things going on in you. <laughs> but the reality is by faith you believe this is the work that Christ has done. I'm dead to the old. And I'm alive in the new. So if you've never been baptized, or if you have been, but you really didn't understand it and you want to be rebaptized, you just need to connect with me and let me know. So we can plan that and have a celebration to rejoice in that act of obedience. I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer. <laughs>